0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. I'm just admiring your shirt there, Bruce. I like that that sweater that you got on there.
1: Nice. Thank you. It's It's nice and warm. Yeah. My wife got me a whole bunch of Oilers uh, uh, wear. Oh yeah, is that I a winner? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It isn't. And this is four games in a row since I wore any of the orders. Wear during a game. And I'm not a real superstitious person, but on the other hand, don't fight it. You know, they won all four of those games. They weren't winning too well before when I had a blue this or an orange that. all oh, works for you. And that's great. That's great. Yeah,
0: I had on my. I orders.
1: wear I wear the Oilers stuff on my off on the off days now. Yeah.
0: I only have one Oilers thing. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not real merch guy myself, but I yeah. keep showing up under the tree and and different yeah, places comes yeah. comes in the comes in the mail. You know. There you go.
0: <laughs> Bruce, big win, big huge win. win, huge win, huge win. Come from behind win against Winnipeg. That's a really good team in a very tough, hard fought game. A Goldie's duel. Indeed. The orders win three to one with an empty net goal. Because it's a, it really is a big win. We will go with our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. But we'll go with two good things each. What's your first good
1: thing? Well, I'm going to have to go with the goalie, David Stu Skinner. I thought he responded big time in, in a huge showdown against uh, uh, one of the NHL's best. And he was beaten for one, which I think, we'll agree, wasn't his fault at the end of the first period. And it was a one nothing game for a long time, and Oilers were pushing, and Winnipeg got a few chances on the counterattack. And if a second goal goes in, this game's probably over. Yeah. And it um, never went in. And Stu put up a nice wall in front of the net. Yeah. Uh, made some good stops and, uh, hung in there, found the pucks through traffic and, you know, didn't, didn't have any, uh, issues with, uh, with greasy rebounds and was there and solid on the occasions that the big, uh, save was needed. He made it. And, uh, he, I thought maybe saved his best for, uh, uh, just after the orders had finally tied it one to one and they had a uh, play behind their own net where uh, uh, Winnipeg uh, uh, came out front and they had two great chances from close range uh, uh, jam play and then Adam Lowry with a real drive on the rebound that uh, Skinner caught just enough piece of it to
0: oh, send it yeah. wide
1: and that would have been a killer time to give one up and oh, and, and uh, he responded there and basically he responded all night and uh, uh for those that were concerned that he might not be able to go, you know, four games in a row. Uh, he's played the last four games, and the owners won all four of them in a seven-day span. And saved the best for last, in my view. And including there was a shutout, two-goal game against, and of course we had the Vegas game with all those kind of weird goals in it. And then uh, tonight, a tight game, but the, both goalies were tested, and they were... They were uh, big players in this uh, in this game.
0: Just a quick aside on the Vegas game. I, I've been wondering what kind of defensive system the Oilers have been playing in their own zone. So I went through the Vegas game trying to figure it out. And the Oilers were so little in their own zone, Bruce, all game long, it was hard to tell. Because they were just constantly getting the puck out. And yet they gave up four goals. It was just such a weird game in that regard. But... Um, the Oilers won, and they won this game. Bruce, this was a fantastic win. Um, up there was the Seattle win, I think. Was that the other comeback victory that the Oilers had this year? Yes. Yeah, so this – this game against, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was huge, and this, this was really big to beat a good team like this. My good thing is the first goal, because it didn't feel like the Oilers were going to win this game. It felt like it was going to be the same old story where the other team's opposition, this time, not a no-name goalie. It's usually a no-name goalie Mm -hmm. who stones the orders this, you know, this time, one of the best goalies in the league, Connor Hellebuck, and, uh, just totally stopping them, stoning them and, um,
1: getting a piece of everything.
0: Yeah. Finally, they just, they just, they, they were, the orders were around the net, buzzing around the net. They got 16 grade A shots this game, Bruce. When The Jets had 12, and the subset of five alarm shots were, were actually for the Jets eight to seven. And um, so the owners were just buzzing around, getting all kinds of really good shots. And then just moments where if the puck just went one little, eye, you know, one little scintilla in the other direction, one small measure unit of measurement, um, we would have seen them score, but they couldn't get a bounce. It just seemed like it just was not going their way. The, you know, the calls in the game didn't seem to be going their way. Nothing was going their way. They couldn't score. Even though they were playing actually quite a very strong game, uh, an impressive game, and it looked like they were going to have a moral victory. Like, well, we, they, they beat us by one in a one nothing game, but we outplayed them a bit.
1: We outshot them. We had more expected goals. Yeah. You know, sucks. That outrageous that for some people, and, uh, and others say, "Well, over time, you play enough games where you know you carry the play and deserve more goals than the other guys." Those games, those wins are going to start happening, and you know what? They have started happening.
0: They have, and they did in that um, in that one, and it happened tonight on that one play. I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, Ryan McLeod makes a really, really strong spin move at his own blue line, puts it up yeah. just as. A confident, heady, smart pass by a guy who wants to stick in the NHL. Passes it up to Nurse, who's cruising uh, to attack because they're down a goal. Nurse moves in over the blue line, and from the high slot area, hammers, he, just, he really risks a hard shot. It was a hard shot, and it's right through the legs of the opposing defenseman. Mm-hmm. And somehow, from the high slot, he beat Connor Hellebuck. He just... It was just at the exact right spot, just above his pad and above his glove. He got a piece and, of that one too. He got a piece of it and <laughs> it dribbled in the net. I couldn't believe my eyes that the orders yeah. had some good luck. Finally, it's like what, yeah. <laughs> what is what? What happened there? And, and I didn't have a sense at that moment the orders were going to win the game. I still thought, oh geez, it's there's six minutes left to lose this because we've been through that a lot this season where the orders can't yeah. get anything done when they have a tie or a lead, um, but it didn't work out that way. And uh, so great play by Darnell Nurse. I just wrote a post actually about Darnell Nurse, uh, you know, at last, at least right now, being worth his his salary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I know that's – some people will never accept that and never believe that. But Nurse is worth his salary when he oh. is playing like one of the top shutdown demon in the NHL, as he, he does play at times. And right now he's in that zone. He's he's had three great games in a row as rated by Cult of Hockey uh, game grades. I think he might have another great game here. He he had, um, he
1: had a real good game for sure.
0: Yeah, he sure did. And he, so he's just when when he's playing within himself, not trying to do too much on defense. Man, he can stop the best attackers on the other team quite well. There was there were some moments when CC Nurse actually had some trouble tonight, but um, Darnell. Is playing his best game, his A game. I think some of the best hockey of his career. And great to see. Fantastic goal.
1: Paul Coffey.
0: Confidence. The confidence he, man. The well, defense apparently,
1: he is a very, very positive speaker. And I think some of what he's saying to players is getting through to them. Uh, I mean, and, and Nurse is doing a couple things. things. Uh, he's protecting his own blue line. Uh, more fervently, he used to always kind of give the, give up the blue line and yeah. do the, you know, do the defending deep in the zone. And tonight I saw another one play in particular where he just stepped up and stopped the the rush halfway between the center red line and the Oilers blue line, decisively won the battle, and the puck was going the other way. And there was another one where there was a guy Nastukov maybe who had a really good game for Winnipeg, I thought, and he was. Uh, trying to fight up the right-wing boards just inside Edmonton's line. And it looked like he had space, and Nurse just came in with his arm and a stick outstretched, and he kind of fended him off with his arm, and he punched the puck back up the wall with his stick. And it went from being a guy maybe bursting through on the boards for an odd-man chance to nothing, because Edmonton actually had the puck because Nurse had made the stop.
0: He also made a stop at the side of the net. Um, on the power play that was pointed out during the broadcast where he cleared away a puck that was just about to go out of the net, and he, he was in the right spot at the right time and hammered that away. So, yeah, it's good to see, Bruce, it's, and it's coming right at the right time.
1: It is good to see.
0: Well, the, he needs to play this way. He's, he's fully capable of it, and um, it's just, it is, it's a fine thing. Bruce, what, oh, I, I wanted to say on Skinner, um, mm-hmm. after that first goal, the um, the Jets had eight grade A shots, and four of them were five alarm shots. So you normally expect about two or three goals on that kind of um, offensive output. But th- that's how good Stuart Skinner was. He mm-hmm. kept the team in. When you expect about two goals to be scored, and um, it, if not more than that,
1: and no goals none and uh good for him all right yeah well the expected goals according to natural statric in all situations was 3.8 for edmonton and 2.4 for the jets so they had edmonton as you know the better team and deserving of the win on the other hand uh If Skinner had given up two or three goals, as you would expect from 2.4, they're either playing in overtime or they're actually losing that game, but he held them to one. So, you know, he did as good a job as Hellebuck did in in keeping the goals below expected. And, of course, the nurse goal, I think we have to record the nurse goal as an unexpected goal. The way (laughs) Hellebuck was playing to let that one in was... was, uh, Uh, A very big surprise, but uh, I'll take it.
0: Okay, your second good thing, Bruce, is?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with um, uh, the much maligned Ryan McLeod, uh, who had, I, I won't say a great game tonight, but he had a good game tonight, and he responded finally on the score sheet. Uh, with an assist, as you've already pointed out, on the Nurse goal, and a very good play, a very nice, uh, strong play to gain possession, to pivot hard inside his own blue line, uh, to make another little move in the neutral zone and feed it to Nurse, and just you know, you don't think that's necessarily going to be a scoring play, but it was a solid play moving the puck. And when the percentage is against you, you can make a lot of solid plays and get rewarded for none of them. And we've basically been seeing that with uh, with Ryan McLeod, who's got pretty decent underlying numbers. He drives some people, uh, including some reporters in this town, crazy with his uh, uh, l- lack of, of old style physical play, you know. Uh, and uh, he is uh, he does play too much on the perimeter for my liking as well, uh, but. He's starting to roll up his sleeves. Is the impression I've been getting, and now tonight he he got that assist, and that was uh, he was on a line at that point with uh, Matthias Janmark, Connor Brown and Ryan McLeod, and I said to my wife, who's going to score? Because they had one goal among the three of them all year, and that came last game when Janmark finally broke the bubble. But that was the line in the third period. And wouldn't you know, those guys were on the ice for the tying goal. And, of course, none of them actually scored it. Nurse did, but uh, nonetheless, uh, we'll take it. And then finally, uh, McLeod broke the extensive goal scoring bubble that had been all season, all last year's playoffs and back into towards the end of last season, I think 36 games without a goal by not beating Connor Halibut, but by scoring from center onto the empty net. And the fact that his coach had the trust to put that guy out there after when Evan took the lead, I got to say, I mean, this could be my good thing. The whole last two minutes, the 13 seconds, they just took the puck in Winnipeg's end. They controlled it there. Uh, they had a couple. You look, thought maybe they were going to get a chance to score. Somebody batted a puck down that was lobbed in, you know. But they, Winnipeg didn't even come close to coming on Edmonton. And then Edmonton, to their credit, they had the big guys out there looking for, you know, free points. Yeah. And yet they had the discipline to go off on a line change with 30, 35 seconds left. And the McLeod line came over the boards, and it was the right choice, and uh, uh, I'm not sure it was the line, but it was McLeod himself, and of course, uh, Cody Cece made a play at the blue line to stop a rush, popped it up to uh, McLeod, and he made no mistake. uh, it's just my good thing is that he's finally scored and got off the shied. Maybe a little bit of the pressure will come off this young guy because uh, he's sure been feeling it and sure been ramping up. I mean, we were giving him some crap here on our podcast last game and deservedly so. You know, he made a huge mistake on the on the game tying goal, but all of a sudden now in his last six games he's got four points. And, you know, goal and three assists, and you got to start somewhere. Well, four points in six games, and uh, I think uh, plus two tonight. So uh, over that span, yeah, you know, four points plus one. And part of the penalty kill, which has really been getting the job done for this last while. So he's getting some positive arrows. And so I'm just going to single him out as a good thing that, that he scored and that he, you know, played a key role and an important win for the Oilers.
0: My second good thing, Bruce, is the winning goal. And um, it was interesting. that Kulak took a penalty holding the stick. McDavid took a um, penalty where he was interfering. There seemed to be lots of those kinds of plays. And it was interesting that those two ones were singled out. There was It was going on all game, both teams. And you know, to call two of them um, was was an interesting thing. Um finally, of, two of
1: them on Winnipeg, both of their penalties were holding the stick, and one on one on Edmonton.
0: Oh, okay, well there you go. So the
1: clear majority of penalty calls tonight were for holding the stick.
0: They finally McDavid did the wise thing when when his stick was grabbed with he let with it go. <laughs> two and a half minutes left in the game. He just he just thought, okay, I'm just going to let it go, and there's there's nothing. They got to call it, and they did. Uh-huh. Cause it was, he was, it was at Villardi. It was clearly grabbing his stick and, um, mm-hmm. he just, it, he just, uh, did the, it was a really smart cagey veteran move by Connor McDavid to let go of his stick like that. He forced the call and he got it. He, he wouldn't have got that call. I don't think Bruce, if he hadn't done that, if he hadn't let go of the stick. So good for him. Anyway, Bruce, the, the goal was spectacular. Um, Leon Dreisaitl has been fighting it a bit this year. I, I think a bit less than, uh, I mean, he's, he does have 28 points, or let me see, 29 points 29 now. Points, 10 games. goals. 10 goals. You know, it's not his usual pace that we've seen in um, the, maybe last year or the year before, where he was getting like 1.5 points a game or whatever it was, or closer to that. He is at one. It's not updated yet at the NHL site, but heading into the game, he was at 1.33 points per game. So he's still around that. So his his struggles have been a little overstated. He's actually been playing really strong hockey. Generally speaking, he's been one of the Oilers' most consistent players throughout the season. Um, anyway, that goal, though, Bruce, was beauty, beauty. It was one of the great executioner shots. Um, that we've seen him make it was a classic, and um, you know, the pass from McDavid, where McDavid's cutting into the middle of the ice and passes it back kind of across the grain a little bit, puts it right there, and McDavid slams it home fantastic shot! And I do have some numbers. Um, we for the last one, two, three, four, and one quarter seasons, we've been tracking um make dry settle's executioner shots, how often he makes them. We so we're tracking type of shots. Mm-hmm. And um he's pretty uh he's pretty consistent. Although um in 2920, I think that was his MVP season, was it not? Yes, he actually had more per game. That was the highest mm-hmm. recorded that we've seen it. He had 0.92, he almost had one a game. He had 65 of them in 71 games. Mm-hmm. Then um, uh, the next year he had 46 of them in 56 games, so a 0.82 point game per game. And then the, the next year 0.71. Last year 0.65 per game. And this year he's at 0.73 per game. So he he mm-hmm. for all his struggles, he's still getting off that one timer shot, and he usually scores on average in uh, including the playoffs. Um, in these last four and a quarter seasons, he scored on 36% of his executioner shots mm. that hit the net. Um, this year, he's at 31%. So he's a little below his uh, his average, but not much. And it's, mm. fairly, it's fairly typical. You know, there's been a few playoff seasons especially where he's just been unreal in terms of shooting the puck. But usually in the regular season, he's around 32, 33. This year, 31%. So he really hasn't. Um, you know, for the narrative of Leon's struggles, maybe losing his confidence a bit, he's been hammering that puck pretty good. And um, in two of the last three games against both Washington and um, tonight against Winnipeg, he scored really big goals with the executioner shot. Blasting
1: it. He also got one in the intermediate game uh, against um, uh, Anaheim. But it was like the seventh goal in the in the game. But it was also a wicked drive in the Anaheim game in the power play in the third period. Yeah.
0: So oh, is that right? Let me just check yeah. that. Maybe so maybe yeah. it's three games in a row.
1: Uh three out of four. Not in the Vegas game, but in the other three oh, games, in the right. winning streak.
0: So he has amped it up just lately on it, mm-hmm. um, with the actual um, executing on the executioner shot, so that they're.
1: Right, he's up space. to seven power play goals now. Nice, up yeah. A stuck and five of three,
0: five of them, uh, five of the seven have been on the executioner shot. So not bad. He doesn't get it off at even strength very much. In 22 games this year, he's only had two uh, one timers. Uh, but last year in 80 games, he only had eight at even strength. So yeah, it's, no, it's, a it's a power not play easy. weapon. It's a power play weapon. Yeah. Yeah. You're bad thing, Bruce.
1: Yeah, um, it wasn't a lot bad really from tonight's game, and it's in some ways not fair to single these guys out because they had a wonderful game. But boy, was this a big um, mess behind, hot mess behind the Oilers' net with the boat four and a half minutes to go in the third and the Oilers have freshly tied it and at that, I'm at that point we're thinking well you got to keep it one one at minimum and win it in overtime but it, you just can't make some kind of fatal blunder to you know after finally tying this thing up and there was a play where matthias Eckholm went against the end boards and he went down and Evan Bouchard came in to clean up and he got the puck But for some reason, he had it on his forehand if he wanted to wire it around the boards. And I think, honestly, the play was to wire it hard and even take the icing just because his partner was down and there was nobody really in front of the net. Uh, But for whatever reason, he tried to make a backhand pass right through the two Winnipeg guys that were in on this hard forecheck. And his pass doesn't get through, and now they come into the front of the net for the, well, two shots I already described, and Crediting Skinner for saving their bacon, which he most certainly did, and that would that would have been a uh, a tough pill to uh, swallow. i just I thought a little bit of a of a poor D zone decision by Bouchard, and it, lest you think I'm down on these guys, I'm also going to make the point that in this game, uh, Matthias Eckholm in 20 minutes and 25 seconds at even strength. The Corsi events, the shot attempts, were 39 for Edmonton and eight for Winnipeg, and for Bouchard an almost equally impressive 37 to 10. Like they had the puck going north most of the game, so it would have been really unfair if that had turned out to be. But you know, there was a mistake was made, and two of the eight uh, shot attempts against. Uh, Ekholm happened in very short order following that turnover, and thankfully uh, the goalie had the answer, so it was just a, you know, little bad thing instead of a great big ugly gaping bad thing like McLeod's last game where it turned into an actual goal. And yeah. So
0: last year, Ekholm was the Oilers' best defenseman uh, in the regular season when he joined the team for that stretch of play. And we mm-hmm. haven't seen that player until tonight. I thought he was outstanding tonight. Asi- aside from that one sequence where he mm-hmm. just got knocked down
1: and it happens. Yeah, yeah. I thought, and
0: I thought Bouchard's play too was kind of a bang-bang play. He's just trying to quickly move the puck up the boards and it hits someone the wrong yeah, way. It
1: went the off. wrong way.
0: Yeah, so it, was, it wasn't it was a great play and they're paid to make a better decision. But this, mm-hmm. this does happen, right? It's a bad bounce, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's happening in the heat of the moment. So um, I've seen... <laughs> Worst mistakes from Evan Bouchard. Yeah, but
1: oh, we, yeah. we
0: are we are left we are left in this game. It was a pretty darn good game by the Orders. And my bad thing is is there wasn't really anything bad on the play. It was a power play goal by the Jets where the puck's thrown around and there's a hard pass in from the side to the guy right in the right in the crease, puts it in off his stick. It was a beautiful, beautifully executed goal. It was a fantastic goal. And uh, the defenders are doing all they can. They don't really make any egregious mistakes. But I just, it's a bad thing because I hate to see even good goals against the Uh, Oilers. Especially those perfectly executed ones. They're hard to take. Uh, But there wasn't much to pick from in this game.
1: No. No, it was uh, fairly clean. And, you know, you could find a mistake here or there and i chose the one that you know when it was one one with five minutes yes left
0: I, I agree with you at yeah.
1: the time but uh there you know there was and and skinner as he did on the one my bad thing not yours but uh, uh you know all the other ones uh he made the mistakes go away with some solid gold handing so that's uh that's what you want is your goalie there to help you out when you need it, and uh, he did all of that.
0: Bruce, what is your numero?
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to go with 71%, David, and uh, this was the Oilers' share of face-offs tonight. 44 wins, 18 losses, 71%. That is a hugely dominant figure. Sometimes, frequently, you'll see it on the individual level, where you know one guy will Will win seventy plus percent in the game. Sometimes you'll have one matchup where the one guy is beating the other guy like a drum. Uh, but this night, the Oilers were just winning them constantly. And uh, the highlight uh, fellow here, uh, who f- up to fairly recently wasn't taking a lot of face-offs, is Connor McDavid. Sixteen wins, two losses, eighty-nine percent in the game. Also, Leon Drysdale nine nine wins three losses, James Hamblin five wins one loss. That was uh, just uh, uh, they had uh, they had three of their four centers at seventy five percent plus, and McLeod the fourth was seven wins six losses. So even he was over the you know above the water line, and it was uh, uh, that. Led to Oilers possession, and the Oilers possession numbers are also reflected in, this is my extra, extra number. Uh, of okay. course, the attempts of 69 for 33 against at 5-on-5 five five in this game. Edmonton had more than two shot attempts for every one that they allowed. And they, they just had the puck a lot. And... To some extent, I suppose, score effects in that Winnipeg led one nothing for like 30, almost 35 minutes, I guess. But uh, uh, I thought Edmonton carried the play before the Winnipeg goal and largely after the Winnipeg goal. Winnipeg got, got their chances, but they weren't through long possessions. They were more through counterattacks. And, and uh, uh, so the game was closer than that. Um, that stat suggests, but what they do tell us was that Edmonton had the puck a lot, and one of the reasons was they were winning most of the faceoffs. Oddly, the only goal that was scored off of f- faceoff tonight was the Winnipeg goal when they won the faceoff on the power play and worked it around and got the goal. So, those big faceoff number stats don't always line up with what happens in the individual plays that result in goals. But you'd rather win the faceoff than lose it. Is uh, my experience.
0: It's one more battle and it can be a big one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Bruce, my number is three. The orders are now three points out of the final wild card spot. They have uh, 19 points in 22 games. The final wild card spot is tied three ways by Arizona, Nashville, and Seattle, all of them with 22 points. So, that's absolutely horrible as the Oilers' start to this season has been. it's It's um, been quite a good streak lately. And um, they're playing like um, everyone thought they would play right from the start of the year. They've got it going on. I think the biggest thing is McDavid's good health returning. And um, the team deciding not to... Make so many boneheaded plays on defense to bear down uh, and not give up two on one uh, rush goals against. Those will be the two biggest factors. Anyway, uh, Bruce, they're just three points out, and there's uh, 60 games to go, so don't look, it's don't look, it's, no. it's weird to mention. Did someone just win? Calgary. Oh, so they tied four it four points out.
1: Yeah, they tied it with three minutes left, and then won it in overtime. Kadri from Uberdo and Markstrom.
0: Well, that's fascinating. They just traded Zadorov eh, for a third and a fifth that's a, round. That's there.
1: a lot of money. Uh, uh, yeah, for a third and a fifth of Vancouver. So Vancouver just uh, added a, a big, mean, experienced defender for, well, basically for the cost of... Uh, Anthony Beauvillier, who they traded to Chicago, and they used the cap space immediately to make room for Zadorov. Oh, Zdorov.
0: that's what they did.
1: Chicago they got did. got uh, Corey Perry's salary off the books, and uh, they needed an experienced NHL winger, so they got uh, – Beauvillier was offered, so they got him for a song, and Vancouver weaponized that cap space immediately and I think upgraded between, from Beauvillier to Zadorov is – you
0: know. I couldn't believe how little Calgary got for Zagorov. To me, he's. I, and I, Maybe I just see him good, but mm-hmm. to me, he's just a big, rugged, effective defenseman who can play in your top four and is physical. Like, who wouldn't want a player like that on their team? And, uh, but maybe it, maybe. You know, I haven't done the work on Nikita zadorov I haven't done the, you know, the necessary hardcore video review or, you know, in-game scouting of this player to have a credible opinion. But I've always liked what I've seen of him. He's pretty flashy. And uh anyway, I thought that was a good trade for Vancouver. And it's nice to see Calgary giving away a good player. So the orders are now four points. Four points. Uh is that right? Yeah, four points back at Calgary. Anyway, Bruce, they're right in it. And there's yeah. sixty games to go. So, 60
1: games left, time to panic. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> there has been plenty of panic. Well, the coach got fired, right? It's not just yeah. the fans who are panicking. Oh, no. It, there is some panic at the highest levels of the order's mm-hmm. organization. And, you know, I'm, I'm not judging them for changing the coach. I understand why it happened. And um, But you did get the feeling, whoever was the coach, and I don't want to take mm-hmm. anything away from Chris Knobloch, but whoever was the coach, this team... It didn't make any sense that they were losing so much. It was madness. It was like everything going wrong that could go wrong, and then, yeah. that that stopped, and now they're the good team that we expected.
1: Yeah. Well, the all along the uh, the the numbers suggest that the Oilers were better than they than they are. You and I were in our analysis spying. Too many glaring mistakes made by Edmonton that obviously they needed to clean that up. Yeah. But now they started to clean that up, and the underlying numbers remain. I mean, say tonight, Corsi, 69 to 33 shots, 33 to 18, in uh, in uh, at five on five or 39 to 26 overall. I mean, Edmonton had the better of the play, and the better of the play should mean more wins and losses, and we're starting to see that.
0: Yeah, their their expected goals, I think, under Woodcroft were actually closer than, a, according to our numbers, they were closer than a lot of other people who look at that stat were saying based yes. on their own work. We thought it was a little closer between the Oilers, but we still thought they were down about 10 goals compared to what they should have. Under Knobloch, they have been playing better. They, they've been dominating the grade A shots and the five alarm shots, and um You know, with McDavid flying, that's not any kind of mystery that that would happen. You get a player like that who's starting to play his A game, his triple A (laughs) game again, and the Oilers will tend to take off. Bruce, uh, the conundrum, I don't know if this is much of a conundrum or if you've put much thought into it, but um, I ran a poll today on Corey Perry, and should the Oilers do due diligence on Corey Perry was the question. So I'm not asking if they should try to sign him. Mm-hmm. I'm ask, I was asking Oilers fans if they thought the Oilers should be interested in him at all. And uh, since since that poll came out, he Perry himself came out with a rather heartfelt um, apology for his behavior, taking full responsibility and and essentially as a bit of a cry for help. That this this mm-hmm. was sounded like someone who's in fairly desperate straits. Yeah. So put it in a little different context, I think whatever happens with Corey Perry. Will play out over months, not weeks. There's a chance he could return to the NHL um, later this season. I'm, I mean, the clock's ticking on him. He's 38, but I don't think it's going to be any rush. Would you, if you were the orders, would you monitor this, dig into this, what happened, or, or would you just say, no, I'm not, I don't want to get involved? What would be your take? That was half and well, half the poll, half
1: and yeah, half, half the yeah, fans. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm a believer be. in due diligence, but. Uh... Uh, I mean, this situation, there was a hell of a lot of rumors going around, and some of them were pretty nasty in terms of what actually happened, and eventually it got narrowed down to an uh, an alcohol-fueled incident at some kind of a team function where, you know, there were there were sponsors and so on there, and it, he must have made a real ass of it himself, and He's come out, and uh, as you say, he issued a straight mea culpa. It's on me. It was my mistake. And, you know, I'm not not trying to weasel out of it like some guys do. Uh, and he, you know, said that he's got personal problems. And my suspicion is that he will take some time away from the game. Very possibly enter the NHL substance abuse program. That seemed to be the thrust of his uh, of his. Um, uh, of his statement uh, to, you know, enter that program that the NHLPA has, and you know, it might be a month or six weeks before we hear much more than he's gone into rehab and you know what comes out the other side. Who knows? Uh, but at least he, you know, he manned up and and took the took the blame on himself, hundred percent explain what the reason is. And I mean, uh, there's, you know, alcohol and substance abuse or, you know, no laughing matter, but uh, uh, anybody in this society knows, has someone they know and love who's gone through uh, similar. Um, anyway, uh, when he comes out the other side, who knows? I mean, he's a free agent, right? Because the Blackhawks just basically uh terminated his contract, similar to what happened with Evander Kane two years ago, Uh, I would suspect there'd be uh, some interest, given the circumstances, and I would suspect that whoever gets him will will not have to pay the $4 million that Chicago gave him to be a mentor to Connor Bedard. Boy, did that blow up on them. But it sure blew up on Corey Perry, and when he comes back, I suspect he'll be a lot closer to the league minimum than he will be to four Midland.
0: Yeah. He's an interesting player because in three of the last four years, he's been on teams that went to the Stanley cup finals, Dallas, Montreal, and Tampa. And he lost. didn't do, didn't do that last year. They all lost, but that's nonetheless significant. He's got a yeah. great record. Um, people with drugs and alcohol, issues tend to make terrible decisions. It looks like that's what happened. And we don't know if he's victimized someone else or if there's involved. So that's going to play in that plays into it as well. Like, like, you know, we we can feel sympathy for Corey Mm -hmm. Perry, but he has hurt. He may have hurt other people. And so that's something to keep in mind as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I I do think that the Oilers would be, listen, um, the Oilers' depth at forward isn't great they could probably use a really rugged, nasty, fourth line hockey player in the playoffs. And um, if he's, if Corey Perry in two or three months is ready to come back to hockey and he's fit and he's turned things around, I could, you know, (laughs) you dig into it, you see what's there. And I I wouldn't, I just, I guess I would do due diligence and not shut that door if I were the orders, because um, um, he's a player. If you want to win, he's a player that might be able to help you win. And that's the bottom line, in a in a hockey operation. So, and as a cautionary tale, tale for people who wouldn't give Perry a second chance, you know, a lot of people quite reasonably for, for heartfelt and profound reasons were against Evander Kane getting a second chance in Edmonton. There was huge opposition, much more than 50% opposition, I think. Mm-hmm. can't remember if we did a poll about Kane at the time. I think it was more like a third of the people who were open to it. But Kane has come here. And I think if we're, I think most people would say that he has certainly fulfilled his end of it on the ice. And, but also as a citizen, as a teammate, and as a citizen of Edmonton, he's also stepped up. And I don't think anyone has any complaints. In fact, he's getting a lot of praise. So, so far, at least that's worked out. So sometimes it does. And sometimes people make the best of second chances or third or fourth yeah. or fifth chances, Whoa. which is what professional athletes will. Sometimes get and every and many people get in life, so not just them, but lots of people get lots of chances to redeem themselves. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and you get the same thing in society, you know. People, you know, do something, they go to prison, they pay their debt to society, and they come out and they turn their lives around, and some of them don't. And but the ones that do deserve credit for getting it together, yeah. And Craig McTavish to go way back. It's a guy yeah. who made one very terrible decision that wound up uh, proving, you know, it had cost a woman her life. And whatever...
0: In a car accident. Uh, yes. Say, yeah. H- people H- don't know the incident. H-
1: vehicular homicide, it was called. Yeah. He was driving drunk, and he was in an accident that killed Kim Radcliffe. And he spent his year in, in, in prison. He pled guilty. To sp- spent his year in prison, and he got relocated from boston to edmonton thanks to glenn say uh, reaching out to harry sindon and getting him out here and he turned everything around he you know he uh made approached uh kim radcliffe's family or parents and uh, uh was able to you know even make friends with them and, and they have an ongoing relationship to this day is my understanding he spoke out of at um, uh, uh, clinics and and uh, 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 you know as a public speaker, and he was a model citizen. He is a model citizen, and you know that one horrible thing was a was a, a life changing event for him. But some many of those changes were for the better in the long term, despite the horrible costs. I I you know I give credit to him for how he responded to, to uh, the mess that he got himself into.
0: I do as well. Bruce, um, five ga- five days off now? Is that what it is?
1: Five days off. They don't play again till the 6th of December, and they're going streaking on a four-game winning streak, which you might think is a bad time to not be playing, but it's nice going into that. I know if they would lost this game, it would have put a little sour taste on the win streak they just had. And now somehow they've come out of November seven and seven. They lost the first four games, but they and then they had a three-game winning streak. And then they had a three-game losing streak. and Now they had a four. And won the last four games. So they were very topsy turvy months. But uh, uh, when all said and done, they got fourteen points from fourteen games.
0: All righty. Well, let's leave it there, and we'll be back. We might even do a podcast uh, um, in the break. We'll see if there's much to talk about. There is. Yeah. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.